Hello again, it's Todd. Time for another um, edition of Spinning Singles. And I believe this is number 100. This is the 100th edition that I've done. So it will be a good one. And we are picking up with November of 1985 on the Billboard charts. And we left off with the date November the 9th, 1985. And there were three songs to come in the top 40 that week. And one in the Hot 100 I'm going to talk about. And the first song to come in was by a actor, a comedian, actually, Eddie Murphy. And at the time, he was very, very hot in a couple movies and on Saturday Night Live. And this one came in at number 35. It's called Party All the Time. Got a ton of airplay and went to number two. It just missed number one. And Eddie Murphy was on Columbia, was a label for him. And he did have an album with it, too. It was called Could It Be? Now It Could Be. That's what it's called. And it did have a picture sleeve. Shows Eddie Murphy on the cover and some writing on the back. And I believe he had one other Hot 100 hit, and that was it for Eddie Murphy as far as his singing career goes. But this one was a big, big hit, and I remember hearing it a lot. And you hear it occasionally now, um, probably about a 5 to $6 record with the picture sleeve. Next song I'm going to talk about was a top 40 entry for the English lady named Kate Bush, and it was called Running Up That Hill, and it came in at 39, would only go to number 30, but it spent 20 weeks on the Hot 100. It was a very slow climber, and I remember hearing this when it was out, and it did have a picture sleeve, and it shows her pulling back a bow and arrow on the cover and a picture of her with writing on the back, and it was on the EMI America label, and Kate Bush was a sensation overseas in England, but she really hadn't done too much over here, and this one was her only top 40 up until this point, and it's called Running Up That Hill. And uh, last year, you might remember this song came back uh, as popularity in the TV uh, show Stranger Things brought the song back, and I think it took it to number four last year on the Hot 100 as a reissue. So, But when it was originally out, it made it to number 30, so it wasn't a huge hit. So everybody thought it was new last year. It really wasn't, but that's Kate Bush and Running Up That Hill. The original with the picture sleeve is probably worth about $20 because she does bring, command some value. And the last song to come in that week at number 40 was by Lionel Richie, and it actually debuted in the Hot 100 at Lionel Richie on that date, the 9th. And it's Say You, Say Me is the name of the song. And it would go on to number one, so it was a big, big hit for him. Spent four weeks up at number one. He was on the Motown label at that point. And a very big, big song for him. It was released with two different picture sleeves, which I thought was interesting. They both show him on the cover, but the uh, writing is in different uh, color. So Lionel Richel's Say You, Say Me is kind of like green, and then there's one with white and red on it. And it's, they're both from the, uh, say, from the White Knight soundtrack, the same as the Phil Collins song. But that, this was the number one song for Lionel Richie. And I'm not sure which picture sleeve is harder to find, but the record itself, since it was number one, is not a very valuable record. I say 3 to $4 for that one. And the only other song I want to talk about for that week was a Hot 100 hit, and it was by James Taylor, who hadn't had that many hits in the 80s, but this one, his cover of a Buddy Holly song called Every Day, came in at 79, would only go to 61 nationally, but it did get a lot of airplay, and I remember hearing it it's a very nice cover of this song. He did a good job with it. And it's from the album That's Why I'm Here. And it's on Columbia, the same as Eddie Murphy. And it's got a picture sleeve, and it shows him in a white shirt on the cover. 
and some writing on the back. And if you haven't heard his cover, it's actually pretty good. And it did get some airplay. Don't hear it too much today, but uh, that's James Taylor and Every Day. And that brings us to the next week of the Billboard Top 40 in 1985. And it was dated November 16th. And there were four songs to come in the Top 40 that week. And the highest debut coming in at 36 was by John Cougar Mellencamp. He still had three of the names at that point, And it was called Small Town. And it was a big, big hit for him. Off the album Scarecrow, made it to number six nationally on the Hot 100, so it was a big, big hit. Picture Sleeve just shows a picture of a bunch of kids, black and white picture on the cover, and a picture of the album on the back. And he was still on the label Raja, I guess that's how you pronounce it, with a lion on it, before he went to Mercury. And this is Small Town. And uh, again, ton of airplay and not a lot of value with that, maybe about five bucks. Below that at number 37 was actually a R&B group called Starpoint, and their only top 40 hit was Object of My Desire. It came in at 37, would go to 25, so it was a mid-range hit. They recorded on the Electra label. At that point, it was red and black for the 45, and it was from the album Restless. And the picture sleeve is white with a picture of the group in a square on the front and some writing on the back. A very upbeat, danceable song. I remember playing this a lot when I DJed, and a very cool dance song, and that's Object of My Desire by Starpoint. Probably a 5 to $6 record with that, with the picture sleeve. Right behind that was another big hit from the group The Cars, and it was called Tonight She Comes. At number 38, it would go to number 7, so it was a big, big hit for them. On the same electric label, same as Starpoint, and it was from their album, The Car's Greatest Hits. And apparently they threw this on there, and it did become a great hit for them. Um, probably about a 4 to $5 record, not really valuable. But this one did not have a picture sleeve. It was just released without it. But it got a ton of airplay, and you still hear it today. And speaking of number seven, this next song to come in behind it at number 40 went to number seven as well. It was a follow-up to uh, Money for Nothing. It's Dire Straits and Walk of Life, which was a huge, huge hit. Like I said, went to number seven. Was actually released twice on two different numbers on the Warner Brothers label in 1985. And the one that really hit it was the one with 28878 on it. And it uh, does have a picture sleeve. And the picture sleeve is blue with a picture of a guitar in the center. And the full guitar is actually on the back. But it was a big, big record, um, got a ton of airplay. In fact, they used it in several health commercials over the last five years. So that's Walk of Life by Dire Straits. Um, not a lot of value. I'd say 3 to $4 for that one. And that brings us to the next week in November of 1985, and it's actually the week of Thanksgiving. And there were um, six songs to come in the top 40 that week, and there was one in the Hot 100 I'm going to talk about. And the highest debuting song that week, coming in at 35, was one by Cool and the Gang. It's called Emergency. It's on the D-Light label. That was the label they recorded everything on. From the same album with the same name, Emergency. Came in at 35, would go to 18. So it was a mid-range hit. Um, 3 to $4 for Cool and the Gang. And yes, it did get some airplay, but not a ton. You don't hear that too much anymore. Did not have a picture sleeve with this one. Behind that, we had a movie song. And it was by Survivor, and it was from the movie Rocky IV. It's called Burning Heart. And it was from the soundtrack, and they were still on the Scotty Brothers uh, label at that time. 
And the picture sleeve shows Sylvester Stallone wrapped an American flag on the cover and some writing on the back. And a very big, big hit. Came in at 36, just missed number one. It went to number two. Um, so not a lot of value, 3 to $4 with that one for Survivor and Burning Heart. Next song right behind it was the first top 40 hit for a group called the Miami Sound Machine. And that's what they were called. And of course, Gloria Estefan was the lead singer, but she had not been broken out of that group yet. So it was simply called Miami Sound Machine. It was called Conga. Came in at 37, went to top 10 at number 10. So it was a pretty big release for their first 45. And the picture sleeve shows a bongo kind of in a colorful cartoon on the cover and a picture of the group, a very young looking Gloria Estefan on the back. And it was from their album Primitive Love, recorded on the Epic label. And like I said, went to number 10. So it doesn't have a huge amount of value, three to four dollars, but it did get a lot of uh, a lot of airplay around here. And that's conga. Next song to come in right behind it was actually a duet by uh, Clarence Clemens, who happened to be the saxophone player for Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band and Jackson Brown. And it was called You're a Friend of Mine. Came in at 38, would go to 18 on the Columbia label. Very upbeat, danceable song. Did not know Clarence Clemens could sing until I heard him on this song. And it was from his album Hero. And the picture sleeve just shows him on the cover and some writing on the back. And uh, not, a, not a lot of uh, value with that one, 3 to $4. It did get some airplay around here, and you still hear it from time to time. But that's a duet, You're a Friend of Mine, by Clarence Clemens and Jackson Brown. And speaking of duets and even triples, I guess you would call it, I don't know what the name of it is, but this one actually has five people on it. Um, it's basically, uh, that's what Friends are for. It was a huge number one song by Dion and Friends. And the Friends were Elton John, Gladys Knight, and Stevie Wonder. So they were all on this record. And uh, this got a ton of airplay because it came in at 39. would go to number one for four weeks. And uh, not a lot of value because it was a big number one hit. But the picture sleeve shows all of them singing around the piano, which is kind of cool. And the same on the back. And actually, all the profits from the sale of the single went to the American Foundation for AIDS Research, which I thought was kind of cool. And that's Dion and Friends. That was That's what Friends are for. And actually, that had been recorded before by several artists and not sure who had it before, but um, that was the biggest hits uh, for that record. Last song to come in the top 40 that week was by uh, Sting. It was called Love is a Seventh Wave, kind of a reggae-sounding record for him on the AM label, and it came in at 40, would go to 17, so it was a mid-range hit, and um, it was, let's see, I believe it was from the same album, Dream of the Blue Turtles, um, from his album he was having all the hits from, and it does have a picture sleeve, and it shows him on kind of like a rocky shoreline sitting there on a rock, and it's got a picture of him on the back. And that Sting, Love is the Seventh Wave, probably a 4 to $5 record. And the only other song I'm going to talk about for that week of November 23rd, 1985, was a Hot 100 hit for Kenny Rogers. It was called Morning Desire. And um, this was released with a picture poster uh, sleeve. So it folded out into a poster. And not too many of those were made. And this came in at 88, would only go to 72 on the pop charts, but it did hit a lot higher on the country charts. He was still recording on RCA at that point. 
I do remember hearing this, but it didn't get too far as a crossover for him. And that's Kenny Rogers and Morning Desire. The poster picture sleeve is probably worth about five bucks and the records maybe worth two to three dollars. And that brings us to the last week of November. And I'm going to refresh my voice here. Last week of November of 1985, it was dated November 30th. And there were three songs to come in the top 40 and two in the Hot 100 I'm going to talk about. Highest debut that week at number 33 was by Stevie Nicks, and it was called Talk To Me, probably one of her biggest hits, went to number four, so it was a big, big hit on her modern label, and it was from her album Rock A Little, did have a picture sleeve, and it shows her on the cover and some writing on the back, and like I said, her biggest song from that album, because it went to number four, got a ton of airplay, and probably a four to five dollar record for Stevie Nicks and Talk To Me. Behind that at 39 was, I believe, the last top 40 hit in America for Sheena Easton so far. It was called Do It For Love. It came in at 39 and went to 29. So it wasn't a big, big hit um, from the album Do You on the EMI America label. And it did have a picture sleeve, and it shows Sheena uh, on the cover, just a picture of her and a picture of her on the back. And um, not a lot I can say about this record. I didn't hear it too much. Didn't get a ton of airplay around here. Uh, kind of a mid-tempo record, and maybe 3 to $4 for Sheena Easton and Do It For Love. And the last song to come in the top 40 that week, at number 40, was a group from Minneapolis, Minnesota. They had never charted before. It was called Tamara and the Scene, and it was called Everybody Dance. And it had a picture sleeve, and I guess it's Tamara on the cover and just some writing on the back. But they recorded on the A&M label, just like Sting. And I believe it was their only top 40 hit. So you can say they were a top 40 one-hit wonder. And it made it to number 24, which was not too bad for them. And again, this is a song I don't remember much about. I remember hearing it occasionally um, and don't never hear it today. But um, not a lot of value. I'd say 3 to $4 for Tamara and the Scene and Everybody Nance. And there are two songs I want to talk about that hit the Hot 100 that week, November 30th. And the first one uh, was by Diana Ross, and it's called Chain Reaction. It came in at 95, and that's as high as it got um, on RCA. And it did have a picture sleeve, and it was actually kind of a mid-tempo song. I kind of like the song a lot by her. It's a shame it didn't get any higher. Um, From the Eaten Alive album, and the picture sleeve shows her on the cover and some writing on the back. Thing about this song is in 1986, they reissued it and it charted again with a special new mix, which I thought was kind of cool. But we'll talk about it again when we get to 1986. And the last song I'm going to talk about was probably my favorite song of all that I've talked about so far this month. And it's a rather obscure song. It's by Nick Lowe and his cowboy outfit. It's called I Knew the Bride When She Used to Rock and Roll. Came in at 96, went to 77, but what a great, great song, a perfect song to play at just about everybody's wedding and a wedding reception. It was a great, upbeat song to dance to. I played it a lot. Everybody would always come up to me and say, what is this song? I've never heard it. It's great. It got a little bit of airplay, not much, but uh, another song that should have made a much, much bigger hit. If you've never heard it, I highly recommend it. It's a great song. I Knew the Bride When She Used to Rock and Roll. It was number one on my countdown, and that's by Nick Lowe and his cowboy outfit. And, of course, he had the big hit with Cruel to be Kind, 
and this is on the Columbia label from the album The Rose of England. And that should be it for this 100th episode of Spinning Singles. I'm Todd, and we'll be back with the beginning of December of 1985 next week.